You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, Kensington Church. You guys are the few brave that made it. You made it through the ice and the snow. Congratulations. I know that many of our family are going to be joining us online, so welcome to you guys who are online. Well, it is a new year. It's a new day. We're going to start this day by standing up. And we're gonna declare together, there's nothing better than the love of God, nothing better than who he is. Let's sing this together.
trust in you this beginning this new year together. We believe in you, Lord. They say this mountain can't be moved. They say these chains will never break. But they don't know you like we do. There is power in your name. We heard that. begin 2022 as a faith family we believe we believe not in a something but in a someone 
We believe in the one who has come, who is here with us by the power of his Holy Spirit and who is coming, we believe. And I don't know what you're believing for this year. It might look impossible, but as we open up the pages of scripture, we see a God in there who is, who does the impossible. Who, who breaks chains that can't be broken, who moves situations that can't be moved. This is our God. And we're together first Sunday of a new year, and we're gonna pray together. So let's pray. I don't know what you're believing for, what you're hoping for this year. You know, I wake up every new year, and, I, and there's things about my life I wanna change. I call them New Year's resolutions. How many of you guys have made resolutions already? How many of you have already broken the resolution? No, don't raise your hand. But there's things I wanna change in my life and I woke up this year and I realized, yeah, there's some things that I wanna see change in my life, but I know that I cannot see those things change without the power, without the presence of the Holy Spirit of God. We need him. We need him more than we ever have. We don't know what this year holds, but we know who holds this year. So let's pray together and join, join me in prayer, please. So Father, we thank you that we can be together in this new year that we can make these outrageous claims that we believe in you. We have never seen you, yet we believe in you. And we can know and sense your presence. We can see you even in our neighbor. We can see you in our friends. We can see you in creation. And we're so thankful for that. And our faith gets built. Our faith is rising up today. And Lord, I know that there's, there are challenging situations. Some of us have come through a year of challenge and, and we just pray that you would minister to different people even today. Lord, I know that there are families and individuals who are dealing with sickness. There are many at home because of COVID and we just pray right now that your healing touch would come upon them. Lord, we just look, open up the pages of the scriptures and we're reminded today of words that were written about you thousands of years ago that Jesus, because of those stripes that were laid upon your back, we can be healed. So we look to you as our healer. We look to you as our source. And Lord, in this new year, 2022, we, to, we commit it to you as a church family. We do this together as your sons and daughters, as brothers and sisters. And we pray that you would have your way for the rest of this day. You would speak to our hearts. You would change our lives. And it's your precious name we pray. Amen and amen. Before you're seated, I know that most of our church family is online today. So we're right back at that camera, some of you might want to turn around. But can we just, on the count of three, we're just going to yell Happy New Year to all of our folks that had to stay home today. So you guys ready to do that? One, two, three. Here we go. Happy New Year. We appreciate you guys. You guys can have a seat. There's a few things I want to point your attention to as we move into this new year. One of them is in just a few weeks, we have our Hope Water Project Gala coming up. And I am so proud of the work that, that our Hope Water team does. If you were here just a few weeks ago, we got to watch a video from Kenya where our Orion uh, Orient Campus Pastor Craig McGlasson took a trip over there and had camera teams following him. We got to get a peek inside what God was doing in the nation of Kenya. And the Hope Water Project really uh, is right there alongside of them. They're drilling freshwater wells for the Pocock people there. And I'm just so proud of that. And so 
Uh, we as a church uh, are so proud of our team that, that are doing that. And we get to be a part of a gala to help raise money to drill even more freshwater wells. Something that we turn our tap on, it's so, so easy for us, but there are people all around the world that need that clean water. And that's how we get to partner with this. So there's a gala coming up in just a few weeks to help raise money for that. Hopefully you can be a part of that. Also, this is specifically for the Troy campus. We're gonna be doing something called Seven Days Set Apart. So starting this Wednesday, we're gonna, we're gonna have a time of prayer and fasting together. Now, some of you may not be able to fast you know, all food all the time, so don't worry. You might wanna you know, just fast coffee. I got a couple angry, I got a couple angry stares at me about talking about fasting coffee. But you, you don't have to fast coffee. You can even give up maybe Netflix or, or, or something just to say, you know what, God, in this year, I just wanna, I wanna just give something up in the beginning of this year just to draw closer to you, just to hear your voice a little clearer. Now, we're not closer to God when we fast. We're as close as we're ever gonna be because that was, that was because of what Jesus did, his work on the cross. But there is something about partnering with God. And when we give something up, we can, it, it, I think it tunes us, tunes our ears a little better. We can hear the voice of God. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have a, t- a week of prayer and fasting from Wednesday, January 5th, all the way to Wednesday, January 12th. And every day on Facebook Live, on our group page, the Troy Campus group page, so if you have not liked that page, go ahead and like that page, get connected on that page, because every day for those seven days, a different member of our community is gonna lead us in a time of devotion, prayer, and even worship. So we're gonna wanna do that together. This is a way to connect. And we're gonna end that time on January 12th when we have our midweek service right here in the building. We're gonna break our fast together, have some food and fellowship in the lobby and have a special night of worship. And we're gonna pray over individuals and families just for this new year, that this will be a a year of just walking with God in, in power and in love. And so today, we're gonna be starting a brand new series on the life of Moses. One of the things I love about Moses is he had a real dependency on the presence of God. In a few minutes, we're at, we've got a guest speaker. Perhaps some of you have heard of him. Um, Steve Andrews is gonna come up and teach in just a few moments. <laughs> Steve Andrews, uh, one of our founding pastors here at Kensington, is gonna lead us in to the story of the life of Moses. He's gonna point this out, that he had such a desire for the presence of God. And that's our focus today. Starting 2022, we need to be a people who are walking in step with God. We need the presence of God. And so a few years ago, I wrote this song and it, it comes out of a story I'm gonna share in a minute. But before I do that, I, I brought some friends of mine to, to help today. And I just want you to know who they are because they're very special to me. Behind me is my brother-in-law, David Silva on bass, one of the best bass players in Michigan. You can welcome him. And over here, uh, my, my very dear friend, Dale Randall on guitar, phenomenal player. And what's really special, yeah. What's really special for me about Dale being here is that it was exactly a year ago yesterday that Dale made the decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of his life and begin to follow Jesus for the very first time. And I'm so proud of him. I'm proud to be Dale, and I'm so glad that you're here. A few years ago, my little girl, Rayma, my oldest, came up to me, and, and she was troubled, and I asked her what's going on, and she said, Daddy, she curled up on my lap. She whispered in my ear. She said, Daddy, I just don't feel like God is near today. She was about seven years old. And I looked at her and I said, sweetheart, I'm so proud that you're aware of God in that way. 
But then I also said, sweetheart, just because you don't feel the presence of God doesn't mean he's not there. Just because your emotions say something doesn't mean those emotions are true. God said he would never leave us, he would never forsake us. And I walked away from that conversation realizing, you know, I do the same thing. Sometimes if I don't feel like things are going my way or I don't feel like God is with me, I can begin to think, well, you know, are you really there? And so I walked away from that time and I wrote this song, hope you enjoy it. Don't feel you near, you're always here. When darkness surrounds and shadows appear, you're always here. So I'll lift my voice, I'll sing it out, you're always here. But there is no place like your presence. I know you're here with us, close enough to touch. There is no place like your presence. Reaching out. To you, you make all things new. Spirit of God, you're filling us now. God with us, awaken our hearts. Waking our hearts, 
And thank you, Nate. <clears throat> you know, it's amazing to me as a person that hasn't created a lot. I've, I've kind of been on the, ro- the ride a lot. But when somebody writes something from their heart, like Nate did with that song, it's pretty magical, isn't it? I mean, where it speaks to something in you and all of a sudden you're thinking like, this is, this is what I want in my life. You hear that? This is what I want from God. There's no, there's no place like your presence. It just, it's... I love that. And that's, re- that's really the theme of Moses' life. Moses' life is simply put, feeling God's presence, then running from God's presence, being invited back into God's presence, and then living the rest of his life this incredible adventure with God. And I thought that's the life that Jesus is inviting all of us to live as well. And so on the next four Sundays, we're gonna be taking this adventure with Moses, which I don't remember us ever doing, but I, I love the idea of it. Craig McGlass and Andrew Kim have been writing most of the material for this. It's just really cool. But this journey that Moses took the people of Israel on only needed to last about 11 days. Literally 11 days of good hiking could have gotten them where they needed to be, but it took them 40 years. And I thought, kind of some, like some of you guys in your college careers, you were cramming those, uh, cramming those four years into five or six, and you, so you know what it's like. It's like sometimes you, the journey takes longer, sometimes it's harder, sometimes there are more twists and turns, sometimes it's slower. Uh, New Year's Eve, um, my three daughters got together for New Year's Eve with my two oldest daughters are married with their six grandkids, and uh, they, uh, my daughter Nancy does a little tradition where uh, they get a bottle of uh, sparkling cider, you know, for the kids to, and then I don't know who did this, but God bless them. Somebody created a countdown, New Year's Eve countdown. So you can do it like at nine o'clock with your kids, 
make him think it's midnight, then you can put him to bed. It's a great idea. Whoever figured that out deserves a medal. So, um, so they were waiting for the countdown. The countdown was taking a little long. My, one of my grandsons, Theo, is three years old. He turns to his aunt, Helen. Helen's our, she's not married. She's our lawyer in New York. And uh, he turns and whispers to her. He goes, I just want to drink the beer. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking that could be an interesting journey along the way. So uh, not sure where that's going to take our family, but... Um, our, our journeys are filled with a lot of pitfalls, aren't they? A lot of beautiful paths to take and a lot of, lot of, lot of mis, mis, missteps. Uh, actually, um, I don't know if it's Craig or Andrew heard about this. I've never heard of this. And no one in the last service had heard about it. Uh, people that are watching the stream, I can't tell if you're raising your hand or not. But has anybody ever heard of Good Riddance Day? This is a legit day. Anybody? Okay, so I'm told this is true that for the last 15 years on December 28th in Times Square, they invite people to come to Times Square and write on a piece of paper their most embarrassing moment or their greatest failure of the past year or their, big, their deepest regret. And they write them and they say goodbye to placing them in a giant shredder. They have this giant shredder, take your sheet of paper and you put it in. I think that's pretty neat, isn't it? I'm like, I would love to do that. And I would have a long list of stuff that I would shred every year. But this year they decided to go to the fire pit because they didn't, they didn't want to just shred the band members. They wanted to, to burn them because it's been, the last two years have been hard. And it has been a really hard, weird time for us to figure out what does it mean to be human? How do we exist in this crazy time? There's been a polarization that for those of us that long for people to come together has been really hard. Um, I've just seen people separate when Jesus called people to come together. And, uh, and so I've been thinking a lot about this, and I thought, man, every family should have a good riddance day. I think that would be a great tradition for a family gathering after Christmas. You know, come together, you know, all you got to do is buy a $20, $20 fire pit at Home Depot and put it in the backyard. You can do this. But, but to say, I'm not going to live with the weight unresolved of the past. I'm going to move into the future, and I'm going to live with purpose in the year that's to come. That's what our dream is for this series. So, in light of that, Moses is our example. And as you know, Moses has uh, been famous in American culture. Charlton Heston is probably the most famous for his starring role in the Ten Commandments, which is, uh, it's about a four-hour movie. It feels like it's about 100 hours if you've tried to watch it in modern times. Uh, the DreamWorks film, The Prince of Egypt, with which my adult children are still traumatized by, I mean, they, they, we were not ready for that because um, they really told the story. And then, of course, uh, I think it was, was it uh, Matthew McConaughey in Exodus? No. Who was it? Anyway, whatever. Wasn't that a good? Christian? Was it Christian Bale? Yeah, wasn't that great of a movie? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so it begins when Moses is running from God, running from God's presence, and God shows up in a burning bush. So you will know the story. By the way, if you read the, the first five books of the Bible, uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy can have really difficult parts to kind of wade through. But Genesis and Exodus, man, it's just one of the great, the stories are so riveting and they're so real. They're so honest to where our lives are. But God appears to Moses in this burning bush and he says, Moses, I've got a plan for you. He says, I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because they're slave drivers. They've been in 
in slavery for 400 years, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And he describes it as the home of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and so on. He says, I'm going to lead you to a better place. So I got a, just a few thoughts I want you to carry with you. And if you're, you take a note on your phone today, um, there, there are like three things I'd love for you to ask God today to do this year. First one is this, God, take me to a new place. Take me to a new place. Don't, I don't just want to live in the same, I don't want to live on what, what Andrew Kim wrote on this message, the fumes of the past. Where are you taking me? Like some of you guys might want to, I'm doing a man, we're doing a man up walking trip in Israel, walking the footsteps of Jesus in Israel. Maybe some of you men go, I'm gonna, I want to do that with Andrews. He's going to need the help anyway. You know, I like some young men to go, they're like human canes, you know, but we do a lot of walking and we, and it's been incredible every time we've done it. Uh, I'll probably take a group to Nepal. I'm going to, uh, Andrew Kim and I want to do the Asian American tour out west of the Japanese internment camps that were created in World War II to experience some of the pain and the horror of what happened in World War II that most of us didn't even know about. But, but I've always wanted to go to Manzanar, so we're probably going to do that in March. So I'm like, take me someplace new. What do you have for me that's new? Maybe take me across the street to my neighbor. Maybe it's a new friendship. Maybe it's uh, joining a move-out team. Maybe it's filling a table at the Hope Water Gala and help. Julius Murgor and I made a commitment to each other 20 years ago that our vision is that every Pocot would have clean, all one million Pocot would have clean water before we breathe our last breath. And we got a long way to go. We've, we've provided clean water for about 400,000 of the Pocot spread across Northwestern Kenya. We've got about six or 700,000 people to go. And I'm like, join me, do something, take me someplace new. Lawrence uh, works, works at our information booth. He just told me today, he says, I made the commitment. I told Andrew Kim, I'm gonna go to, I'm gonna go to Kenya with him this year. I'm like, dude, that's gonna change your life. So I want you to think about this. Say it out loud with me right now. God, take me someplace new. God, go ahead. I mean, what, what if there's just something really cool? I don't care how old you are or how sick you are or how discouraged you are. What if God took you to someplace new? This is an incredible opportunity. God is always in the business of taking us someplace new. Any, anybody here 11 or 13? Anybody 11 or 13? I took, I took my two daughters to India in the year 2000, December 2000, 21 years ago, when they were 11 and 13 years old. People told me I was crazy. You talk about a journey. The journey from my doorstep, from our doorstep, to Jaya's house in uh, in in Rajamundry was 68 hours nonstop. It was planes, trains, and automobiles, and and other other vehicles and instruments. I'm not kidding. I saw John Candy twice on the trip. I made that up. But man, it was a hard trip. I don't think I've ever been so tired arriving somewhere. But that journey started us on a journey that started us working with global partners for the last 20 years, that's literally electrified the world. We've been connected to millions of people. It all started because Jaya Sankar said, Steve, you need to come see me. You need to come visit. I'm like, all right, I'll go. I didn't know. Like, God, take me someplace new. And Man, I don't know what that new is for me this year. 
Maybe it's going to be Manzanar. Maybe it's going to be taking some people to Nepal, doing the man-up trip to Israel, seeing God work. I don't know. But it's saying, God, take me somewhere new along the way. But here's the challenge. When you go on this new road, you're going to blow it. You know how I know that? Because we all blow it. Y'all, that's why you have a good riddance day on December 28th. You're going you're gonna to make mistakes along the way. You're going you're gonna to kind of return to recurring bad patterns that are in your life. But God says, keep going. Stay, stay on this journey. In fact, what I just read to you, God speaking to Moses in the burning bush was in Exodus 3. The rest of the story is Exodus 33. It's 30 chapters later. And Literally, Israel has been through the the plagues in Egypt. They've escaped. They've walked through the Red Sea. They've been in battles. They've rebelled against God. They've they've whined and complained. And God's just about, I love the the, the human aspect of God's relationship with Moses. Because Moses, uh, he says to Moses in Exodus 33, leave this place. They're kind of stuck in this no man's land between Egypt and the promised land, Israel. It says, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt and go to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. And God says, this is really weird. It's one of the weirdest verses in the Bible. He goes, I'll send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you. What? I'll not go with you because you're a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. So have a good trip with the angel. Actually, that last part I added, that's not in the Bible. I did look up this, this word in the Hebrew, this word kosheh, which means stiff-necked. Now that's interesting. What does it mean to be a stiff-necked person? Here's the definition. Hard, cruel, obstinate, severe, Difficult, vehement, stubborn. Man, that describes the last two years in our country, the way people treat each other. This is like, like where, uh, like in the days before digital social media, when people spoke face to face, I don't hardly ever remember people speaking so rudely, but now we have the severity of basically online, you'll basically communicate to another person that they're not worth living. And sometimes you wonder, are all these Russian trolls? You know, you, you wonder like, who are all these people that are saying these cruel things every time somebody wants to do something good? And I thought, God is saying, listen, Moses. And by the way, go, go back to the beginning of that. He says, leave this place, you and the people you brought out of Egypt. Like God's putting it on Moses. This is so funny because it's, it's such a real conversation. He says, because you're so stiff-necked and I'm just sick to death of you. I, I, I shared somebody like, all four of my kids were pretty rebellious and it was because of their mother, mother's parenting. And uh, all four of our kids as teenagers would look at Paul and me and they'd go, you know what, we can't wait to get out of this house. I've told people this story for you. We, we can't wait to get out of this house. And man, we were hurt. Our feelings were hurt. But I remember the other time going, Man, it's going to feel pretty good to get you out of this house for a while, you know? Because when you're stubborn and you're not teachable, and I'm saying that both ways because when I look back at my parenting, there were so many times when I was vehement about stuff 
or obstinate about stuff and severe with my children when I should have been listening more than talking. I should have been engaging. I should have been painting a vision of a great future instead of warning them about the perils of the world. And I want to tell you something. We are living in a moment in history where all people do is want to warn you about the bad stuff all the time. Like who's painting a picture of how great it is to be alive, the potential to be in a relationship with people and to do great things with your life. I mean, just talk about doing something great and you'll find yourself changing inside. There's something about it that gives life and hope. It's so funny. I, I really believe that during COVID, some people have walked away from church. A lot of people, not just from church, but from community in general. People say, well, I just... I was going to kind of live my life in isolation. And some people have had to because of health. We need each other, man. We need people. You need people to care about you. People say, what's the measure of success? Well, truly, the, probably the, most, the greatest measure of success would be a, a relationship with God. And it would be having a handful of people crying around your bed when you're dying. That's success. All the rest is a bunch of baloney. So what is the goal? God's, so God's, God goes, Moses, you and the people you're leading, I don't even want to go with you. And then here's what Moses says back to God. This is so cool. He goes, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, so remember, you see like they're blaming each other. God's like, you and your moronic people. And Moses goes, wait a second. These are the people you told me to lead when you appeared to me in the burning bush. He says, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said to me, I know you by name, and you found favor with me. That's what God said to Moses. He says, but if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And remember, he's talking to the Lord. Remember, this nation is your people. Isn't that funny? I mean, I think it's funny. God's like, they're your people. And Moses, no, they're your people. It's just so, such a great story. And the Lord replies to Moses. My presence, he's like, all right, you win. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't send us from here. Second thing I'd love for you to remember. The first one is, Lord, take me someplace new. Second thing I want you to say to the Lord this year, it would be cool if you would. Say, Lord, I'm not going without you. I'm not going somewhere without you. I'm not gonna pursue some empty goal that leaves me empty and unsatisfied. Like, like you could be in an argument with your spouse and in your, your marriage might be in trouble. And you say, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win this argument with my spouse. Good luck. Because God's not going there with you. God's not going with you to win that argument. He's not. If you're going to serve your spouse in love, to lay down your life for your wife, or you lay down your life for your husband, God will be on that journey. Say, Lord, I don't want to go unless you're going with me. I want to go on the road you're going. I just, and I love that. I love where people are like, Lord, I want to go to the places that, where your heart is. I remember um, Kate Richardson, just an amazing woman. She's a counselor in the area now, amazing 
helps people. She, I know she's probably 40 now. I, I remember on that first trip to Africa in 2003, I took my oldest daughter, Lindy. She was a high school senior and John Richardson, one of my closest pals, took his daughter, Katie. She was a she was actually in master, master's program at Michigan in social work at the time. And we were flying on this plane. A couple of you know, who know me know the story. We're flying on this plane and we were, it was about 30 of us on the plane and we were just irritating the heck out of everybody on that plane. It was an international flight. You know, Americans are too loud to Europeans. I want to apologize to any Europeans that are in the audience. And uh, we, but we were having fun laughing. I remember Katie, Kate goes, well, I brought, I brought 25 shirts. We were there for 14 days. She said, well, listen, I packed heavy. I brought 25 shirts. And I remember looking at her going, you materialistic American capitalist, you know, like looking at her. Well, we were on about the 10th day of the trip and we were a tree under, under uh, all the trees, all the churches then were under thorn trees out in the middle of nowhere. And I saw Kate and I thought, there's Kate. I thought, Kate, Kate's holding holding that baby. I thought, she's been holding babies everywhere we go. That's crazy. Really cute baby. And I went, okay, let me hold the baby. I take the baby, that baby, little baby girl, instantly urinated and defecated down the side of my shirt, the whole way, down shirt, pants, the whole thing. And I'm standing there with urine and poop on me from this cute little baby. And I realized, Kate brought 25 shirts because she knew what she was going to do this whole trip. She came on this trip to love people. She came on this trip to be crapped on for 14 straight days. I don't think I've ever felt any more humbled in my whole life. I'm like, Kate Richardson is love. She left all the shirts behind. She left, left them with all the women because the women were super ecstatic. She, I judged her because she was going on a journey with God. She says, God, I don't want to go on this journey unless you're going with me. And you know, when you go on a journey, when you go on a journey with God, holding babies that poop and pee on you is a joy. That's the journey. And by the way, Moses leading these people, I mean, these people were pooping and peeing all these were these people were a mess. They were. That's why God's saying they're your people. Moses is like, no, they're your people. You know, it's pretty cool. But Moses says, if your presence doesn't go up with us, do not send us from here. God, let me in on your plans. Let me know what you're thinking because I want to know you better. This is what it's all about. And by the way, this word presence, and Nate, I just love, love so glad Nate's, God's brought Nate to us, but in this wonderful family, but I didn't, I was still struggling. You probably knew this, but I was struggling with what the word presence means. And I, so I looked it up in the, in the Hebrew, I was in the blue letter Bible, which any of you could get the blue letter Bible app. It's incredible where you can learn and you're studying just, you know, any verse of the Bible, help you make sense of the meaning. But I didn't realize, I, I should have known this, but maybe I forgot it. But the word presence literally means in front of or in the face of. So God says, my presence is going to go with you. God says, I'm going to be in front of you the whole way. Like you're going to be able to see me the whole way. My face is going to be like, you're going to be looking at all, all this war, all this crazy stuff that's going to happen. And guess where I'm going to be the whole time? 
you're going to know that my presence is with you the whole way. It's pretty cool. That's what presence is. Say, I want to be present with you. You're, you know, Paula wants me to be present, but it's, she's so ridiculous. She wants me to put my iPad and my phone down. Isn't that ridiculous? To have a conversation. Because why? You can't be present with a person when you have your iPad and your phone going. You can't be present, right? But we're all addicted to it. It doesn't matter your age. It's the new age, and we're trying to figure out, how does it mean to be human? How does it mean to be fully engaged with a person and feel like I don't have to fiddle with somebody, but I can sit here and be present? My, I've told you, told you this before. My friend Chris Dankovich is in jail. Incredible young man. I'm not going to tell you his whole story, but he's in jail for murder. He's been there for 20 years. And when I go visit him, and I haven't, been, I haven't visited him during COVID. It's been almost two years since I've seen him. But when I go with him over the last 20, 20 years leading up to this, and I go, I go in the room with him, we sit and we, I get there about one o'clock and I stay there till five. We sit and talk for four hours. He's the only person in the world any time of the year that I talk to anyone for four hours straight. And there's no distractions. It's just him and me sitting in two bad chairs, looking each other eye to eye, talking and talking about the journey of life. That's what it means to be human. Presence. When I travel with people, one of the things that happens, like we do this, we'll do this Israel trip, we'll do it with 20 guys or whatever. We literally, after two weeks of being together or 12 days of being together, we literally would be best friends for life. Because you're present with each other. You're walking, you're walking up Masada, you know, you're, 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 you're walking, getting your feet wet in the Sea of Galilee, you know, and you're, you're, you're hiking from, from Nazareth to the wedding at Canaan, Galilee. And you're probably following the same trail that Jesus walked when he got to Canaan and turned the water into wine. And at the end of a walking eight miles together, you're friends. So Jesus, take me somewhere new this year. Jesus, and I don't want to go unless you're going with me. Now, he's already said he's going to be with you, his presence. But what I mean is you're going somewhere that is pleasing to his heart. So God says, my presence is going to go with you. Moses continues, though. He's pressing him. He's pressing him pretty hard. He goes, how will anyone know, verse 16, that you're pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples in the face of the earth, on the face of the earth? He's like, we're not the smartest, we're not the most powerful, we're not the most beautiful, we're not the wittiest. What distinguishes us? It's the joy that your presence is with us. You know, whenever the church in the history of the last 2,000 years has tried to power up in the world, like to be powerful in government and powerful in world conflict, the church every time loses its identity because we were made to wrap a towel around our waist. That's what Jesus said, dude. Wrap a towel around your waist and get on your knees and you watch, watch someone else's filthy feet. Jesus said, I came as one who serves among you. Let me ask you, as a parent, when you've chosen to power up as a parent, has that endeared, your, endeared you to your children? How about when you've put a towel around your waist and washed their feet and served them? Which, which has worked to change their heart? You know the answer. Because powering up, is, it, dri it drives us away. It scares us. And, I, and I'm guilty of it. But man, he says, what is going to distinguish us? Faith, hope, and love. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13. 
and the greatest of these is love. That's what's gonna distinguish us. But man, somehow we are always seduced by power. Moses understood that the only thing would differentiate them from the rest of the peoples of earth. And by the way, the people of Israel are still in, in a pickle. They're surrounded on all sides, and they have been through their whole history of people who hate them. It's a really fascinating thing. But in this moment to say, Lord, I'd love to experience the joy of your presence this year, like in 2022. I don't want to experience fear. I don't want to experience regret. I want to experience the joy of knowing that you're with me no matter what happens, no matter what I'm facing. This is a moment, almost forgot, uh, for us to receive our offering. You know, we've got offering things at the doors when you walk out, and, and uh, there's ways to do it online. But I, want to, I just want to say, this is my, I think this was my 30, 32nd Christmas Eve this year from when we started. I was at the Birmingham camps with Justin, and, and I, but I watched those online. It just was, it was amazing. But I think this might have been Kensington's most generous year this last year and a half. It's been the most difficult time, so much transition. But people's generosity has been incredible. The only thing I would say is we advertise falsely. It says you can give in less than 10 seconds on the Kensington app. If you're over 40, it takes, we've, we've done this scientifically. <laughs> if you're over 40, it takes you about a minute and 39 seconds, John. Just, so don't feel bad, okay? But you can get it done. So Moses says, what's going to differentiate us? And this is what the Lord says. I will do the very thing you've asked me because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. It's one of my favorite, favorite moments where God says, we're in a relationship. This word yada, this is the most intimate word of knowing in all the Hebrew. There's multiple words to know. This is the word that means to know someone inside and out. This is the, word, the first word that was used when it says, Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and gave birth to a son. To know, to know someone inside and out, to be as close as humanly possible. That's what God's saying to Moses. Like, I know everything about you and I love you. And I know you by name. By the way, names are still important. They're not as important in American culture as they are in other cultures. Names have powerful, powerful meanings. Uh, But in this, when God says, I know your name, there's a promise Nate was talking about when Jesus returns and when we stand before Jesus Christ face to face, it says he's going to give every single one of us a new name. To me, that's one of the most interesting things about what heaven's going to be like. Like you're going to get your real name. Not going to be Steve Andrews, Stephen Jeffrey Andrews. Got a whole story behind my name. I love my name. I was, my mother named me. She wanted Stephen because Stephen was the first martyr. She loved that. Jeffrey was part of a family name that was, so I have an identity right in my name, but I've got it. That's not my name. I don't know what my name is. Jesus said, I'm going to get a new name. In fact, in Isaiah in the Old Testament, it says, you'll be given a new name by the Lord's own mouth. How cool. That's going to be a cool moment. Lou, I don't know if you can do better than Lou, but Lou's, Lou's pretty good, but it's even going to be better than Lou. It'll be stylish. I know that. And so he says, I know you by name. And Moses still not buying it. He goes, then show me your glory. Show me, prove it to me. And here's the other one where 
in, in the circle, you know, and I just, for some reason, I forget this word glory. But I, again, I was looking this up. Do you know what the word glory means? It means a lot. It's got like 20 definitions. But it means abundance, like overflowing. It means splendor. Uh, I love how beautiful, it's still beautiful up here, but Christmas Eve, this, the lights and the whole, it was just, was, the room was beautiful. We love Christmas because of the splendor of the lights. And it was so, so cool. Splendor is another word for glory. Honor, to give someone honor. Like you honor, said, you know, the Bible says, honor your mother and father. It means to attribute glory to them, splendor to them. Wow, that's cool. I wonder if any of my kids are listening to this. <laughs> Another word for glory is reputation. He's like, prove your reputation to me. That, you, that you're who you said you are. Glory is a really loaded, powerful word. I love this. Presence and glory are two that I'd love to live with, but it's like, Lord, show me your glory. Show me your splendor. Show me your abundance. And Jesus said in John 10, he says, I've come that you'd have life and that you'd have it to the full. It's always been one of my favorite verses. Like, I'm not just came to give you a life. Like, man, live it. Like Craig McGlasson, talking about coming back from Kenya, he came back. Talked to me on the phone the next week. He was totally overwhelmed. He was there when a well sprung. I've never been there, so I hate him for that. He was there when drilling and drilling, hundreds of feet down, and all of a sudden that water's coming up, and people are dancing and singing, and they've been drinking dirty, filthy, feces, urine-driven water of cows and goats their whole life, slowly dying, and all of a sudden they have water, and it's crystal clear and clean. They've never even seen that kind of water. They've never even seen it. When Julius and I were in seminary together many years ago in Chicago, he said, he said when he came to America, he saw a swimming pool. He assumed it was a water tank. He couldn't believe it. He had said he'd never seen clear water. He didn't, he's like, what is this? This is, I didn't know water was clear. That's what we do. It's part of what we do. So this is how the Lord, this, I'm going to finish with this. This is how the Lord shows him. The Lord says, I'm going to cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Well, think back, think back to what Moses has already experienced. He's already seen God in the burning bush that didn't burn up. He's already seen God part the Red Sea. He's seen God bring water from a rock and he's seen the people of Israel fed for a long, long time with manna that appeared out of nowhere every day. He's seen a lot. He says, but I'm gonna cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord. This is Yahweh, the most holy name for God. And I'll have, this is the God who is, like this, the self-existent one. This is as close as we can come to what that word means. He says, and I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I have compassion. He says, but you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock, and when my glory passes by, I'll put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I'll remove my hand and you'll see my back, but my face must not be seen. Man, I just love that image. You know, like you're on the side of the mountain. You, the country they were in was super mountainous and rocky and rugged. Said, I'm gonna put you right in between these rocks and I'm gonna let you see my back. I'm like, I'm a big F1. I've, I've totally gone nuts over F1 racing, but when they do a hard turn, you see the sparks flying out the back. It's like you can't see, it'd be like, you, like not seeing the car, but only seeing the sparks. That's what God's saying. You're just going to see the sparks behind me. 
you'll see my glory. In fact, Moses saw it. I didn't tell this last service, but he was so overwhelmed with just seeing the back of God that when he came back down to be with the people, the people said, put a bag over your head because you're, you're scaring us because of the glory and the glow that's over you. You're scaring us. Cover your face. That's how incredible it was. God says, that's the glory I want to give you. You know what Jesus said? Talk about glory, because Jesus is God visible. Walked among us. Jesus said, everything that the Father has made known to me, everything that the Father has given to me, I've made known to you. I've given to you. Like all the glory that he's given to me, I'm giving it to you. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It means we receive his glory, his splendor, his abundance. This is a promise for 2022. And I thought about this because I, I, um, at Christmas Eve, when we told the story of Craig McClasson Sr., did any of you, were, were some of you here for Christmas Eve? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, a lot of you. It's pretty awesome. One in. And that story of Craig and Tony was just, to me, one of the best stories we've ever told. It was so precious. And their friendship, so beautiful. And I thought they'd never seen, right? They'd been blind their whole life. Well, you guys, when I grew up, we sang Fanny Crosby hymns. Fanny Crosby was a born, born blind when she was confirmed blind at six weeks of age. And she wrote a ton, like hundreds of songs that the church has been singing for the last 130 years. And one of the songs was, He Hides My Soul in the Cleft of the Rock. And she writes, He hides my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hides my soul in the cleft of the rock and he covers me there with his hand. And I remember as a kid singing, I thought, how cool that God offers a relationship to you. He says, I'm going to put you in a safe place and I'm going to give you a glimpse and I'm going to cover you. I'm going to protect you. I remember that's how I felt when Lindy, my oldest, my first child was born. She was so pitiful. She was so skinny. And, and I remember like, I remember thinking she's turned into a lovely woman. So don't, don't get nervous. And I remember looking at her going, honey, maybe I don't care if anybody else is going to love you. I'm going to take care of you and love you. I felt such an overwhelming love for her. I'm going to hold you in the cleft. I'm going to cover you with my hand. That's what God says out of his love to us. And Fanny Crosby writes, a wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. He takes my burden away. He holds me up, and I shall not be moved. He gives me strength, and with numberless blessings, each moment he crowns. Incredible. And he fills it all with his presence divine. That's cool, man. That's, that's the vision that I want to have for 2022. So I want to say, Lord, give me a glimpse of your glory. It's the last thing I'd love for you to think about for this year. Lord, give me a glimpse of how beautiful you are and how wonderful you are. Because I, I grew up in a church that was so painful, guys. If you think Kensington is painful, you have no idea. The pain a church can inflict with boredom. But... Uh, the one thing I remember about church is singing these hymns, and we, and we sang them poorly. We were, as, we were awesome at being poor singers. But I would look up at my dad every Sunday from the time I was a little boy, and we'd sing these hymns, and the tears would just flow down my dad's face. And I've, my, dad, my dad was a kick-butt guy. I mean, my dad was the kind of guy that would, I remember, down, we, we lived in Midtown, Midtown Memphis in the 60s and 70s, my dad would see a, a hundred, hundred young men gather around a fist fight in the park. He'd park the car and run out there and break up a fight and lecture 100, 100, 100 inner city kids. It's amazing he never got shot or killed. He didn't care. 
But when he talked about the glory of God and the splendor of God, he was, he was overwhelmed. Boy, that made church beautiful. And so today, I just want you to do this. I want you to say, Lord, take me someplace new. I don't want to go there unless you're going to go with me. Give me, give me a glimpse of your glory. Let me, let me know you. Let me feel your presence. Because the greatest desire is not where we're going to go, but who we're going to go there with. He's our goal. He's our reason. He's the destination. And as long as he's with us, nothing can stop us. So as we finish today, thank you guys for, for coming. Appreciate you coming out. It's such a joy to see you. And be praying for the team. A lot of the team is sick with COVID and be praying for them. And i got a really good buddy, Brian, who's been three weeks in the hospital now. And he's a young guy and he's really scared. And I thought last night as I was singing Fanny Crosby's song, I'm just like, Lord, cover Brian, like put him in the cleft of your, you know, put him in the cleft of the rock and cover him with your hand. But we're singing a new song today. Nate and the team are going to lead us. And I think these last two songs are a perfect way to end the day. And part of this last song, you're going to see it in the lyrics because it'll be on the screen in a minute. But it says, you caused me to step into my Egypt and you took me by the hand and you marched me out in freedom and you marched me into the promised land. And now I will not forget you, God. I'll sing of all you've done. Death is swallowed up forever in the fury of your love. This is the vision that I'm having for 2022. And I'm praying that for all Kensington people and for people that we're connected with, that we would know the splendor and the presence. And wherever you go, listen, I don't, I don't know how hard life's gonna get. It gets hard. Jesus said, I'm gonna be right here with you, right in, right in your face. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be present with you all the way. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the beautiful men and women that are here today and their children, the friends that have come. Thank you for the brother I met from Georgia. Lord, did I just pray that you would be working in beautiful ways, doing something in us that we didn't even think would be possible. But Lord, give us the willingness to follow the nudge. It's a nudge to go on a mission trip or start a small group or step into celebrate recovery or make a nudge. Let's be people say yes to you and let's go for it. Lord, take us on a journey. I'm just saying, like right now, Lord, if not one other person here listening on stream could care less about this. I'm just simply saying, me, as one person, as broken as I am, take me someplace new. Take me on an adventure with you. I want to go there with you, and I want to see your glory. Because, man, that's what makes life meaningful and rich. In Jesus' name.
stand with me so we end this first Sunday of the new year in this way by just giving praise to him let's sing it out in the darkness we were waiting without hope without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. Let's sing it out. Sing praise the Father. Praise 
such a great day, man. Guys, awesome. I'm telling you, these guys were amazing, amazing all day. Um, just before I send you out of here, I'm letting you out. I went uh, 17 minutes too long last service. I'm only going to do 15 minutes this time. Um, but I'm telling you, if you say to God, God, take me somewhere new this year, I promise you he'll do it. And he'll fill you with joy. And even when you fumble it and you make mistakes, the adventure is still there to head. And I'm telling you, there are God sightings and God movements everywhere. I walked off the stage after the nine o'clock service and I shared uh, with a friend of one of my grandkids really struggling in school. You know what I realized as I was talking to her? She's a superintendent of schools in that city. And she started crying because she said, he's been on my heart. She's a superintendent though. The whole thing, she's like, he's, he's been on my heart. How does that happen? Because God's moving. When you say, God, take me somewhere new. Take me on an adventure. Show me, show me your glory. Let me know your presence is with me. What a, why would you want to live any other way? Chasing empty stuff. When you could be living life with God and really loving and giving your life for people. It's just nothing like it. Thank you for leading us today, all you guys. Looking forward to the next three weeks of this series. It's going to be a cool year. We're going to go there together. See you. Okay. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and, of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.